Well, let's give Jesus the hand clap. He's the one that deserves all praise and glory and honor. Uh, my wife, since her greeting, she's back at church. Um, uh, just a lot goes on in uh, nursery and trying to help make all that happen. So she's back there right now. And those of you that minister and work with children, you know what I'm talking about. Um, it's a joy to be here. We love Brother Mark, Miss Bobby, your, your church, your, the whole team. We don't call them staff. Everybody say team because we do it together. Yeah. And um, we have three grown sons, all married, wonderful godly women. Grandbaby number nine is on its way. So our, our, our place is expanding. They're all in ministry and scattered about. It's a good season for our life. Uh, what I want to share today, let me kind of set the tone and then we'll open in prayer. I'm calling it carry the presence. Carry the presence. You know, there's no greater privilege than being able to host God himself. Do you realize that? You get to host him. Neither is there a, a greater responsibility. Everything about God is extreme. Everything. He's overwhelmingly good. He's awe-inspiring, amen? Powerful, but yet very gentle. And perfect while embracing us in the midst of our imperfections. Let me put it this way, embracing me in the midst of my imperfections. Because I have them, we all do. Yet few, I believe, are really aware of the assignment we all have to host him well to host him. The idea of hosting God, maybe some have never thought of, might even be new for some today. So I'm asking the Lord to really cause it to come alive to you. He owns everything, right? Count on a thousand hill. He, he, he owns us. In essence, we're to be loyal subjects to him. Yet he chooses to flow through yielded vessels that choose to understand how to carry his presence. Uh, really, we're to help bring heaven to earth. Yeah, amen. God's desire to earth by hosting and carrying the presence. It's not really just a nice thing to say. It's part of our assignment. Yeah, it's part of your assignment. So Lord, teach me how to host you well. Can we bow us open in prayer? Father, help me to be a walking example of someone that's been transformed and being transformed, expressing your goodness, your nature, wherever I go. I want to constantly replay the ways that your goodness has intervened in my life so that your nature will be constantly on my mind. Yeah. And all of God's people say, Amen. Tell the person next to you, getting ready to get changed. You weren't too convinced of that, so tell the other one that you didn't want to go to first. Tell that person you're getting ready to get changed. All right, did that better. All right. <laughs> uh, for scripture references today, we'll be all over the place, but the main scriptures will be in Exodus 33 and Ezekiel 47, if you want to turn to either of those. We're going to start in Exodus 33. But let's say a confession. I love confessions because, you know, with your heart you believe and you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you're saved, right? Yeah. So I have a confession for us. Are you ready? 
Okay, thank you, Brother Mark's ready. <laughs> Any who want to tag along, join in with us, okay? Say, we are well able, we are well able to carry his, presence. carry his presence. Say it again. We are well able, we are well able to carry his presence. Carry his presence. Now, in Exodus 33, Moses is experiencing the presence of God in the tent of meeting. This is before they had the portable tabernacle or a permanent temple, or, you know, and all the things that then progressed through the decades and centuries. So they're in this route to try to get to the promised land, and he has this tent of meeting. And he's actually talking to God face to face. He'd have to go outside the camp to this tent to meet with God. And Moses loved this experience. I think it would be so wow. You know, I mean, jo uh, Joshua kind of follows sometimes to different places. To actually go talk to God yeah. in this manner, amazing. So I'm going to start in Exodus 33. I'm going to begin in verse 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. Okay. Moses said to the Lord in one of these encounters, You've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Now remember in the Old Testament, God's manifestation or the Spirit of God would just come down on people for an empowering moment or task. But he didn't indwell them like he does now in the New Testament. Aren't you glad for the better way and the infilling of God's Spirit? Okay. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. That's great. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. And then Moses would do this often. Remember, this nation is your people. <laughs> he didn't want to claim them, you know, all the issues and things. And one time he and God are playing back and forth. They're your people. No, they're your people. And they, they did that because of the issues and complaining and things that were going on. The Lord replied, here we go, my presence will go with you, and I'm going to give you rest. Amen. I think that's an indicator that you are carrying his presence. You can stay at rest in the midst of turmoil. You can stay at rest in the midst of responsibility. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. I think that's a good way to pray in the morning. Lord, if you're not with me, don't send me out. You know, be with me. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me, with your people, unless you go with us? What else? Look at this. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? What distinguishes us from all the other people that you encounter? What is it? Presence. His presence. Jesus, salvation, the Holy Spirit. But let's just call it his presence. Everybody say his presence. His presence. Yes. So the issue, God, is not that we don't meet. Moses is telling God that we meet. The issue is I have to go out there. I have to leave this tent, this wonderful place, and go deal with a lot of stuff. Anybody have some stuff you got to deal with? Just me? Anybody? Come on, let's, let's be honest in church. What a novice thought. Anybody have stuff to deal with? All right, we do. Work, bills. The car broke down, life, miscommunication, all the stuff that we deal with. And he's saying, I don't want to limit my interaction with you just here at this tent of meeting. I need you out there. Yeah. 
I'll live this time of talking, worshiping you, but life, God, is tough out there. For us, the parallel would be, I love church. I love going to the tent of meeting. I'm surrounded by family and friends and Christian community. I love the instruments. I love the worship. I love the teaching and so forth. I sense your presence. I have prayers of agreement. We pray for each other. It's wonderful. It's Sunday, but Monday's coming. It's coming. And I have work. I have school. I have problems I got to deal with at work. Come on, anybody? Students, you're starting school, you're going to have tests, challenges to face, all that type of thing. And I need something to carry me out there. Not just the joy of here, out there. I can't live, Moses saying, perpetually in the tent. We can't live perpetually in the house of God. You have entrusted me with responsibility. God is entrusting you with responsibility. And whenever I'm going out there and facing things, I need you there. And everybody said, Moses felt that way. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like because of just life and lots of things that I can leak and his presence kind of leak out of me. Anybody? Come on, be honest, you know, just, you know, and then you're dealing with emotions or this, that, and the other. And so this is how this came alive to me months back. We were remodeling a a room at church. Um, Years ago, you would have a tape booth or a tape room, and they would tape the services, and they would be on a cassette. How about that? How many remember those days? And then we got really fancy and we progressed to a CD, you know, and that was awesome. Well, and as time went by, everybody was getting phones and iPhones, and now we are filming and taping like basically everyone does, and you can put the service on your phone. So the CDs got less and less, and really we were just producing them for people needing one or or elderly people who didn't have smartphones, but now they're all getting their smartphones and they're figuring out. So we really didn't need that tape room anymore. So we realized we need a good coffee bar spot for people when they come in a fellowship area. So we're tearing out that whole room and we're going to get rid of all that and make a nice coffee bar. Well, in the tape room, it's got cabinets and so we're emptying everything out before we started the demolition to do the construction and in there I mean there's old CDs and uh, CDs and papers and stuff and I said whoa 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 let's let's take all this and put it in this office over here let me go through it won't take me that long I'll do it in a few days or a week or so let me see what if there's anything I want to archive for history's sake or one of our overseers or a message or something that I really want to just keep. There won't be many. Most of it we're just going to get rid of. So I had a big cart. I just brought this one because it fit in the back of my vehicle. But it was a big cart, you know, with different shelves. And so I'm going through things quickly. And I have some music on. And all this stuff that had been precious at one time, it's no longer precious. So we're going to, or I'm going to throw it away and just keep certain things. So I load it all up. And it's loaded down. Now I'm going to go to the dumpster with it. And so I'm going to have to go out the church and down a hill through the parking lot. 
and the dumpster is a good ways away. And the parking lot is asphalt, so it's not perfectly smooth. So I'm just having a good old time, and I'm pulling this cart, and it's kind of bouncing because of the, you know, the asphalt. And I'm just going to the dumpster. I get to the dumpster, and I look back, and I see our youth pastor, Brother Ryan, coming out of the church. And I kept seeing him bend over and pick up something and go several more feet, and he'd pick up more, and his arms are getting fuller and fuller. And I'm going, what is he doing? And then I realized... Because this wasn't precious to me anymore. This wasn't important. I'm just pulling it, and it's falling off. And the Lord spoke to me. I love times where he just nails you. Does God ever nail you? He says, well, that wasn't important to you anymore. So you're just pulling it along. I was leaking. (laughs) Now, at one time, all of that would have been very precious. I maybe have listened to some of those messages again of different people and so forth. When something is precious and you realize you're carrying something, you treat it like this because it's precious. You're carrying something you, you want others to be able to see and notice. Fine china, something breakable. You carry it in a way that, oh, you honor that. But when it's not precious and you don't care about it, you just bounce along. Hello. (laughs) As I said, confession, good for the soul, bad for the reputation. So I was leaking all over the place as I went forward in that way. So hear me. I love church. I love it, love it, love it, love it. But I need to be able to carry something out. Verse 17, and the Lord said to Moses, I'll do the very thing you've asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Because Moses wanted something out there, not just in the tent of meeting. God says, you got it. My presence is going to go with you. Boy, if anybody needed it in the word of God, it was Moses. He had a big responsibility. And as I said earlier, in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come upon different ones for an empowering moment. An empowering moment. So hear me, and we'll develop this. We are well able to carry His presence. I love church. I love worship. I love community. I love interaction. I love it, love it, love it. People have been changed forever in the house of God in the tent of meeting. Okay, who's gotten saved at church at some point in your walk? Look at that. Look around. I'd say the majority, over 50% others, it was at home or friend led you to the Lord. If you're not saved, you can get an opportunity today because that's what we all need. We need the saving grace of the Lord. I have such a huge value for God at the tent. I believe in God at the tent. And in the New Testament of Hebrews 10, it tells us, Forsake not the assembling together of the saints, as is the manner of some. They dealt with it back then. We deal with it now more than ever before. So we don't want to forsake this. What we experience today, it's so absolutely necessary. But here's a verse in the New Testament. Let me highlight it. Romans 12, verse 1. Maybe many of you are very familiar with this. But let me read it out of the... ESV version. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, 
by the mercies of God to present your bodies, to present your life, everything you are, as a living sacrifice, going out those doors, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Everybody say spiritual worship. Spiritual worship. Mm. Not just physical, spiritual. So here's the challenge. We call our experience today worship. How was worship service? And please do. Thank you. Continue. But do we call everything else out there a worship experience? If I obeyed this verse and I've, I've dedicated myself, my life, my body to the Lord, everything out there is to be an act of worship. Amen. And I'll explain that. We create an expectation at church when there's music, when we sense the presence of God. I love it. Let it expand. Blow out the walls. Let it grow. Open the windows. I absolutely love it because Matthew tells us whenever two or three are gathered in his name, guess what? He's there in your midst. He's here. Wonderful. Please do. Let's have a higher expectation. Bring people with you. Love it. But listen to this. We're not dualistic people, or we shouldn't be. We're not spiritual, then secular. We're not supposed to be spiritual and then carnal. By the way, you call that religion. That's just religion. Okay? On the screen will come up. Worship is not merely something we do with music. Rather, it's something to do with sacrifice. Back to the verse that we read in Romans 12, verse 1. Give your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. That is your spiritual worship. See, sacrifice is such a misunderstood word. Oh, gosh, Miss Bobby needs a volunteer. I'll sacrifice my time and go do it. No, that's, that, that's not sacrifice. Oh, we got that special service. I guess I need to go. Sacrifice, going to the ballgame. That's not sacrifice. Let me explain what a sacrifice is. It's doing everything with an understanding. It's not about you, but it's about him and giving him glory. I'll give an illustration. Like I said, my kids are all scattered and in ministry. My oldest son is in Louisville, pastors there. And three kids, 10, seven, and four. It's wonderful, wonderful stage. A family at church, who also have a ministry in Africa and so forth, godly family, great family. They've kind of adopted my kids and grandkids as their own, which I'm thrilled because we can't be there all the time. We're not there hardly at all because we're all busy. And they treat them like their own grandkids. Isn't it awesome? And so even my son and daughter-in-law, grandkids, they've gone to Africa with them and minister there and so forth. Lisa, the lady in her 60s, very healthy. I mean, active exercise on and on, you name it. Loves activity, sports. So last December, right before Christmas, she said, hey, we're going to take you all um, ice skating. There's a place in Louisville to go to ice skating because she's a good ice skater. So they go. She, Lisa takes the whole family, my kids, grandkids. They're skating, having a great time. 20, 25 years ago, Lisa was in 
riding one of her horses, had an accident, was thrown from a horse, injured her hip, so it's been weak. She's fine, you wouldn't know it, just weak. Well, they're skating and they're just having a great time and Andrew goes around a curve and he looks back and Lisa had a spill and fell and broke her hip, okay? Everybody say sacrifice. sacrifice. This is how, when you understand this word sacrifice, this is how you live. She was so determined that my grandkids, her surrogate grandkids, she wanted this experience to be positive. Inscruciating pain. All the kids come up to her. She's going, haven't we had a great time? Hadn't this been fun? I can't wait till we get to come back. Oh, this has been so much fun. Saying that to the children the whole time, not to put fear or anxiety or make them scared about ever doing that again. Until EMS got there and even when they're taken out, she's telling them the same thing. So a week or so later when the kids were with us at Christmas, they call Lisa, they call her Granny. They call my wife Grammy. So it's so funny when they're talking, when they're talking about her in Louisville, they go, Granny, <laughs> to make the distinguish. I said, tell me about Granny. Did she hurt herself? Oh, yeah, but she's going to be fine. She just fell. We had, uh, did you have a good time? Oh, we had a great time. We can't wait to go back. Are you getting a new understanding of the word sacrifice? It's sacrificing your emotions and your right. Everything. Spiritual sacrifice. See, when we understand this, you're going to understand more of the message and where we're going here in a few minutes. Okay? You see, many believers, good people, have conditioned themselves to believe that just this atmosphere is where something's going to happen. And yes, I absolutely need him here. Because yeah. I'm going to desperately need him out there. And with Jesus in the center and understanding this and other things I'll show you, I'm to be a living sacrifice. And the challenge is, I always say with a living sacrifice, I keep crawling off the altar. <laughs> Come on. Because yeah. the altar isn't always comfortable. It interrupts my time. It interrupts my schedule, my agenda. But I've got to be the Good Samaritan or whatever it is at the moment of becking and calling of the Lord. I don't hear any hallelujahs in here, but I'm going to keep preaching. Okay? <laughs> when Jesus is Lord of your life, you understand your assignment that everything is spiritual. Everything is sacrifice. You know why? You're a carrier of his presence. So picture this, the presence of God can be hosted by a person so significantly that he actually lives through them. It's not canceling out who they are, or their personality or giftings. It's really capturing it to the fullest. God doesn't want you to be anybody else but who you are immersed in his divine influence. It's through their personality and their giftings and their demeanor. Everything's expressed through them where people then can see a living God. And when you do that, favor takes over. How many want favor in your life? Amen. Favor at work, in your city, with your family. Favor, favor. 
Well, Gideon had received such favor that it brought the enabling presence of God into his life, empowering him to do something he had no ability before because he was full of fear. And I think what stops people most of the time of carrying his presence is fear, fear of man, fear of rejection, all the things that we deal with. But I want you to become the fullest version of yourself. The fullest version of you. The one God had in mind when he knit you together in his mother's womb. Let his presence fill you so fully that your true identity shines forth. Now you're saved, filled with the Spirit, forgiven. I love it. But I want to hear, how many want to hear from the lips of the Lord in eternity, well done. Amen. Instead of, well, you're done. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> well done. Not just you're done. You're here, but well done. So I've got to fulfill my assignment. Not just a one-time assignment. It's daily, sometimes hourly. Then the smallest detail of your life is worship to God. Jesus said in Matthew 10, if you just give a cup of cold water to someone in my name, you've done it unto me, and you'll not lose your reward. It was an assignment. Maybe it was a sacrifice. You were going to drink that cup of water, but no, that you saw someone else who needed it. Church, let's take what we do here and what we do out there and how we live and pull it all into a kingdom mindset and heart. You do sacred work. So what the worship team did today, thank God, it's powerful. But what you're going to do later today and tomorrow, it's just as powerful. If you teach children, you're doing sacred work. If you work construction, it's sacred work. If you're in the medical field, it's sacred work. The legal field, it's sacred work. I love it. One of my greatest joys as a pastor is when someone would come to me at church or whenever, run into them in the community, and they have an awesome testimony to share what God did through them being a living sacrifice to, to bless someone else. Oh, Brother Mark, I'll tell you this story. I got to witness to someone. I'm like, man, I got to lead this person. to. The, I got to pray with this person for healing. I, I just, I'm like a proud papa because that's what it's about. Amen. Yeah. Man, when, when the Lord uses you, tell Brother Mark, Miss Bobby, the team, tell, don't do this false pride thing. Well, I can't. No, I don't want people to look. No, I can't. Sit, don't want people to look at me. Now, if that's the case, you are wanting them to look at you. You want them to look at the Lord. So when the Lord does something, you need to tell what he does. Mm -hmm. Revelation says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Yeah. So when you testify what Jesus has done, it's a prophecy of what he wants to do again. You see, so get off of that, any, that false pride thing. No, give God glory all the time. Yeah, there's ways to say it, but my goodness, be bragging about the greatness of the Lord and what he's doing all the time. Pull your life, look at that on the screen, your whole life into a kingdom of God mission. That's worship. What happens then as you do this, people who don't know the king can experience his kingdom through your sacrifice through your obedience, through your smile, through your words, and give him praise. You've been carrying his presence 
And then they get inquisitive about starting a journey with the Lord or going deeper with Christ or receiving the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Something happens. Let me show you one of the first examples in the New Testament. John 1, verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. So Andrew is, in, in our terminology, is getting saved, coming under conviction. Jesus is the real deal, okay? So he heard. The first thing Andrew did. Say that with me. The first thing. Andrew did. One more time. The first thing Andrew did. Was find his brother Simon. He didn't put his candle under a bushel. And he told him. We have found the Messiah. We have found the Christ. I have found him. And then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You're Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. And Peter was a character, right? Yeah. Have any of you watched the, the Chosen series? Anybody? If you haven't, you need to. My wife and I finally watched the last episode of season three last night. So good. I mean, it just nails Peter, and he's got all his issues and so forth. But I tell you what, he was powerfully used. But if Andrew hadn't opened his mouth and grabbed Peter by the hand, Simon by the hand, come here, I want to take you to the Messiah, maybe that wouldn't have happened. He became a living sacrifice and did what I'm to be doing. And how we're to be living. The only way many will experience the kingdom like we had a taste of in worship is if I believe I'm bringing the kingdom out there as a living sacrifice. You know, classic book. I don't know if you ever heard of Practice the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. How many have seen that or read that? Well, you talk about bringing you under conviction reading that. We are well able to carry his presence. So, Lord, I want any hypocrisy or selfishness, self-centeredness removed from my life. Lord, keep working on me. See, what you believe matters. What you believe matters. How you believe matters. If you believe the team you play basketball for always loses, you're going to (laughs) lose. You'd hate to disappoint yourself and actually win a game now and then. Because what you believe, it becomes a prophecy of what's going to happen. When I believe God in his word, I open the door to his kingdom. I'm unlocking and opening a door and inviting what I believe in. So it's important that what I believe in is true and accurate. Jesus said in John 8, you will know the truth and the truth will set you Let's say it again together. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth is you can carry his presence. You can carry it. Let's experience and expand our corporate worship, teaching, equipping more than ever without limiting it merely to this environment where we leave and then become self-absorbed, just thinking about responsibilities, things I got to do and leak all the way until we get back here next week. This is like the filling station to drive your car all week long. Yeah, it's good. Come on. 
The Great Commission in Matthew 28, Jesus said, Surely I am with you. Surely. Can you hear the heartbeat of God? Hey, I want you to disciple nations. And what I said to Moses in Exodus 33, I'm saying to you and those that will come after you, surely I am with you. Mm. Man, then he sent the promise of the Holy Spirit to fill you. So it's not just here, it's, it's in here. Okay, Ezekiel 47. This is what we're trying to get to, to bring this alive. This is a metaphor. I'm going to read nine verses here. They'll come up on the screen. But Ezekiel 47, verse 1. Picture this with me, okay? The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple. All right, this is Old Testament, so we've gone from the tent to the tabernacle. Now it's a temple. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. They helped me understand first service east is that way, but let's pretend through that door out there is east going out today. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate, led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. So walking around and seeing where is it coming out, where is it going. Everybody say a trickle. And the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, and he measured off a thousand cubics. Then he led me, uh, led me through water that was ankle deep. It went from trickle, now it's ankle deep. Measured off another thousand cubics and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand, led me through water that was waist deep. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I couldn't cross because the water had risen was deep enough to swim in. A river that no one could cross. Wow. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? And I'm not God, but I'm saying river of life. Can, do you see this? I want you to see this. Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creature will live wherever the river flows. Important phrase. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. And in the original language, fresh there means healed. Everybody say healed. healed. That's a good thing. I like something being healed. Amen. Moving on. Let's keep reading. Verse 10. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Eniglium. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds. North, south, east, and west. Every tribe, tongue, language, color, race, creed. I, I, I do hope you know God is not American. Yeah. <laughs> but get that out of your mind. He does not think American. He thinks world. Yeah. He thinks of this tribe and this group and all the different languages. He loves us. He loves them just as much. Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow, he loves all people, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. Oh, verse 11, but the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They'll be left for salt. Now, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from where? The sanctuary. Flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. All right, that was a mouthful, but let's bring it to life. Ezekiel says this water starts out as a trickle, trickles out from under the sanctuary door, seeping out from under the door, and the further it gets away from the door, the deeper it gets. Now, folks, that's not natural, right? That's not normal. Yeah. It's not normal. I mean, anybody, you know anything about flooding and all, man, eastern Kentucky was hit last year. It starts out big, but then it starts dissipating and, and always fi finds the lowest place and spreads out. This is saying it starts out small and it gets deeper the further it goes. The seeping becomes a river. From a trickle, seeping transformed to a river. Now here's the question. I had you say the word a moment ago. What is the source of the river? Thank you. Let's give whoever that was a hand clap. Come on. Who said that? Let me see your hand. Where are you? Back there. Okay, good. The sanctuary. The sanctuary was the source of the river. It's flowing from the sanctuary. I'll put it this way. It's flowing from the community, from the discipleship, from the teaching, from the fellowship, from the children being ministered to, in the nursery, from the worship from drinking coffee together and talking, from praying together, helping one another. It's flowing from that atmosphere. But it's leaving the temple. It has to leave at some point. It's leaving church, and it's going out and affecting an area. And the further, in Ezekiel, this metaphor, the further it got away from the temple, the deeper it got, Amen. the more effective it got. So let me put it this way. The greatest miracles should start here in essence, right? But can and should happen even more out there from people who understand they're a living sacrifice. It's your spiritual worship. Oh, but I'm not a preacher. You don't, you don't need to be a preacher. Salesmen are preachers, okay? <laughs> and in a way I am too because I'm trying to sell you the gospel yeah. and it's free uh, it's all of us because every one of you knows someone different and God wants to flow through your life in just such a special special way special special way and yes we're well able to carry his presence from our yielded lives together us as living sacrifices the seeping begins then it picks up momentum the further away it gets. Why not? Now notice, everyone who gets in that river that flows from the sanctuary gets healed. But I made you make notice of verse 11. Let me read that again. But swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. So the river is flowing. Now I grew up in southern Louisiana, moved in Kentucky when I was 32. That's when we birth the church 33 years ago. I grew up around that. See that picture? 
We had that on our property. We had a farm, we had a cattle ranch and so forth, and we had several swamps on our property. You don't go swimming in there. If you want to go shoot snakes, which we would do, if you want to go look at alligators, which we did, other critters, you get a boat, you don't get in that unless you're in something to protect you. Those are cypress trees. Uh, cypress wood is a great wood. It doesn't rot. Uh, termites don't bother it. So cypress is a great, great wood used in construction and so forth. The house I grew up in was one of those old antebellum homes. It was built in 1820, and it was made from cypress wood. And it's just as sturdy and sound as it was on the day it was built. So cypress is, a, cypress is about the only thing good that came out of a swamp. Um, so there, you got a picture of a swamp. And Ezekiel depicts that those marshes, even though they receive the same water that's in the rivers, because they have no outlet, they ain't going to heal nothing. They ain't going to touch anybody. Not going to bring life to anybody. Now, question. Where does the water come from that ends up in the swamps and marshes? Sanctuary. Sanctuary. And Ezekiel's metaphor, because the river went in and it couldn't get out the door, it wouldn't obey and be a living sacrifice out there, it didn't heal anyone. Next slide. In other words, the healing qualities of the river. What's the name of your church? River What's the name of your church? River All righty. This ought to be some of your theme right here. In other words, the healing qualities of the river are in its movement, in its active life application and involvement, not just in receiving and acknowledging. You know, you go to church your whole life, be up in age, and, you know, just agree the whole time. Mm, mm-hmm, 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 amen, mm-hmm, amen. Okay, Martha, let's go home and eat. And you just leak all the way home and be self-absorbed and come back next week. Mm, amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've all seen it. It grieves my heart. I love it when even a child or something so excited they just can't wait to tell someone out there. Yeah, amen. Come on. Everybody say, we're well able. We're well able. Carry the presence. Now, here's even a deeper thought. Think about the water that can't be seen, yet it's affecting the trees up underneath the root system. Those trees are feeding from the water in the river because they're looking for life. There are people that are looking for life out there. Yeah. Yeah. And you're the source. And, and you don't see what's happening to those trees, but yet it's pulling nourishment and the effect of that constant connection to the river is bearing fruit every month. I, on Wednesday night we do classes and I was doing a class last year with one of John Bevere's series and it was giving illustration about some trees out in Arizona, New Mexico in a real drought time. And this family suddenly, they can't get any water. I mean, they turn on you know, faucets and no water anywhere. They call the plumbers and they can't figure it out, so they're having to dig back. And what happened, one of the trees in the front yard, so desperate for water, it burst through the pipe 
it could sense water in the pipe and clog the pipe and was pulling all the water coming from the main that way to feed it to keep alive because it was desperate. There are so many desperate people out there and they're looking for water, living water. Good. Do I see it? Can I see it? And anyone who eats the leaves from the tree, it says, has the same manifestation as being in the river. Revelation 22 says the leaves are for the healing of nations. Why? Because the Lord wants everybody reached. Why am I talking about these metaphors? Well, they really are true life examples. Do we take our experiences and our worship and our growth and the word and our community out there? Or do I leak week to week, week to week? I have to admit, some days, maybe some weeks, maybe more warfare than others, I leak. Maybe you don't. Praise God. <laughs> Leaking is easy. Continually, I'm going to be a living sacrifice even in my pain. I'm going to do it. That's the challenge. You know, your highlight is really out there because God wants people saved. God wants nations, people, groups, every tribe and tongue reach. God's presence in here, God's presence continually transforming our life and growing. None of us have reached ultimate understanding and knowledge. God's word being your sure foundation and you go and recognize the moments for God to move out in the highways and the hedges of life. We never want to stop or minimize this experience in here. Let it expand. Yeah. All that you just let it continue to grow and expand. Be more anointed, more effective than ever before. But let's let the seeping begin. Or expand. You're seeping. Just let it, let it go deeper. Yeah. Let it go deeper. Whatever you do on Monday, maybe that crazy prophet Ezekiel got you stirred up. And you're able to say, I believe his presence is with me. Yeah. Anything could happen today. Now, I asked this question in the first service. Let me give you a hint. Uh, what are, are anybody in real estate? Let me see your hand if you're in real estate. Anybody? Okay, nobody. The three laws are three words of effective real estate are. Anybody want to help me on it? Say it loud. Everybody say it. Location, location, location. Okay? I'm going to give you the three laws of relationship with impact and value. Oh, it's so simple. You ready? Observation, observation, observation. Amen. Who, Lord? Where? Give me eyes to see. Give me a heart to feel. Let me be the good Samaritan, not the priest and the rabbi. Let, let, me, let me see. Let me observe. Ask questions. Talk. How about this one? Smile. <laughs> let the person in line. Just observe, and you'll be amazed at the opportunities and the doors that you're going to have. I'm a river. I go to the River of Life Church. <laughs> There's streams flowing out through me. So whatever you do tomorrow, wherever you work, whatever you do, if you're a mother at home raising children, you're raising 
arrows for God. So important. Every, everything you do, even when the devil tells you you're not effective, if you believe that lie, then you'll just be a marsh. If you rebuke that, you realize there's something so much valuable in you for every person you touch and communicate to. You're expressing the life of God, so there's change. Whatever you do tomorrow, you'll be able to say, Lord, use me. Use me. There's something different. His, parent, his presence will make you relevant. So really today, it's not a message. It's a commissioning. It's a commissioning. Jesus talked about it. Are you ready? John 7, verse 38 and 39, Jesus said, Believe in me so that rivers of living water. Oh, come on. Rivers of living water. Ties all the way back to Ezekiel. Will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being, just like the scripture says. Now, Jesus was prophesying about the Holy Spirit that believers were being prepared to receive. But the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out upon them because Jesus had not yet been unveiled in his full splendor. Jesus had to come, pay the sin debt, live a perfect life down the cross for our sin, be resurrected from the dead, go to the right hand of the Father. He sent the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was alive, if you needed his attention, you might have to be lowered through a roof because he was one man. He's the son of God, yes. But he was one person. And when you read John 16 and 17, Jesus says, when I send the Holy Spirit, he's not going to talk about himself. He's going to talk about me. And he's going to show you things to come. He's going to help you. He's going to guide you. So the Holy Spirit gives you the uninterrupted attention of Jesus as much as you want. As much as you'll take. As much as you can handle. So you can seep. Oh, come on. That's good. We might have some evangelists in here. Help us, Lord. Moses carried the presence. All of us can carry the presence. Being filled with the Spirit is more than pointing to an experience you had a certain number of years ago. It's really not measured by what I can can contain, but what I allow to flow through me. Next slide. Only in the continual overflow of his presence through our lives are we truly full of the Holy Spirit because you never get empty you give and he fills you up again and it's in that condition that we're most likely be able to bring others into an encounter with God or pray with a believer for the miracle they need or the encouragement they need or be able to minister to your spouse your children your family people at work, the stranger at the store. Why not? Who is it? Who is it? My wife took this assignment on during COVID. That was a very difficult time for many people. Maybe you in here, and it was difficult. It was a real thing. We're not making light of it. And, um, you know, church and so forth, my wife has to frequent Walmart quite a bit. Any other Walmart or Kroger or wherever you go shopping people in here? Or you try to avoid it at all costs? Is that what you're telling me? Okay. But to get things for the church or things she's making for someone. And uh, she could see just the concern in the cashiers, what they were having to deal with. And my wife made it an assignment to get to know them. 
get to know them and go talk to them and say, what can I do for you? Can, anything I can pray about for you? And cashier's weeping, weeping, finding out this. She said, Mark, this one beautiful lady, and her husband had died a year before, and her son was killed in a wreck three years before that, and she's having to do this to survive. She says, I just broke with her. So getting to know them. And then, then she starts bringing them gifts. She, she didn't even need the shop. She just go to, she'd go to Walmart, bring this one a gift here, and bring that one a gift here. So now when she goes in Walmart, they're fighting for her. <laughs> because her heart was just moved. Yeah. Just moved for different ones going through stuff. While we go through stuff. Because we go through stuff too. Yeah. And the best way to go through it is don't stop. That's where you become a marsh and swamp. No, be, be giving in the midst of your need. Your life. What you're going through. And give. And serve. Psalm 16, 8. Because you're close to me and always available. Always available. Well, I need that volunteer. I guess I'll go. I don't want to. I got to do it. No. My confidence will never be shaken. Why? I experience your wraparound presence, your wraparound presence every moment. So good. So, so here's the truth. Last slide. We will always release the reality of the world we're most aware of. Always. Hmm. What am I going to release today? Let me think about it. Lord, I had my time with you this morning. Let me be aware. Let me observe. Give me discernment. Even that person I can't stand at work, give me discernment to love them. Give me a breakthrough. Can I tell one more story real quick? It just, Holy Spirit just reminded me. Remember when we were in our first, no, excuse me, our second rental building before we started building buildings on our church property? It was a storefront building in a good location right on Highway 27, a great spot. And it was a good place to kind of be exposed to the community and build trust and confidence. So being a storefront, there was some other buildings over here and there. And there was this one building just a little ways down, a corporate uh, business. And uh, I just did not like the owner. Again, confession, good for the soul, bad for the reputation. He was just kind of gross. I mean, he's always had a big cigar in his mouth. He was crude. His language was crude. You know, and I'd see him outside. We interact a little bit sometimes, but it's just like I'd see him. And in, in, in my own ability, I'm just going, ugh, come on, don't look so holy, right? Just some people you're just not drawn to. And um, so I just... Didn't like to be around the man. Anybody ever hear of the play Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames? Well, we did that the first time in, I think it was 95. Unbelievable response. Very effective back then. That was before all the internet stuff and stuff on your phones. It's a little bit harder now to hold people's attention, but very effective in depicting heaven and hell. Maybe some of you have seen it. We were going to do it for three nights and stop. 
We went for two weeks straight. Finally had to stop because the cast is worn out. We had all these people to follow up. We had 1,800 decision cards. I mean, it was crazy getting the Gideons involved, and people were driving from all over to come to it. It wasn't just in town. But one of the last nights at the response at the altar, it'd be huge every night, I look out, and guess who's out responding to the altar call? The man that I didn't like. I felt about this high. I don't even know how he came, but he came. And when I looked at him, it's like all this feeling of, ugh, you're just a gross man. Just, and he was dressed just the same as always. Bib overalls, just, just nothing wrong with bib overalls, but he just was gross, okay? <laughs> all of a sudden, all that just melted into a pool of liquid love for him. And I wept and I said, God, forgive me. I didn't do a good job seeping on this man at all. But you got him. You had to bypass me and use another method. And you know what? I got really close to that dude. We became good friends. He was still gross looking. <laughs> still this. Still had his cigar. But he became transformed. His, his countenance changed. He lived a few more years and then died suddenly. What if we hadn't had that play and I hadn't seeped? We've got responsibility. And I don't mean that as a burden or heavy. I'm just saying, just enjoy life and seep. You carry something, might as well carry his presence. I don't want to carry me, I want to carry his presence. Worship team, come on back up. Thank you for bearing with me. I might have gone a little bit longer, but hey. Yeah, come on. Hey, you can stand, but everybody just kind of stay close by for a minute.